This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mustang Owners Podcast. This is the Ford Performance Edition, and I'm your host, John Clore. I'm the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, and my co-host is none other than the Mustang Club guru and the president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, Mike, the man, Ray. Mike, good evening. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you guys? Glad to be here tonight. Well, Mike, you did it again. You... uh, you somehow tracked down one of the hardest working guys in the hobby and got him to give us uh, some some few minutes of his time. He's probably just even too busy to talk to us. But uh, why don't you introduce uh, our guest and figure out how did you get him to block out some time? Because this guy stays busy all the time. I'll tell you what, you know, met many, many, many people in this industry, but there's no, no bigger class act in this whole industry than Kevin Marty. I can tell you that. Um, you know, well, I remember the first time I met him, I was just uh, starstruck, if you will. And, you know, because I've heard the Marty reports for years and years and always seen that. And then to actually meet the man behind it was uh, very overwhelming for me, to say the least. And then to get to know him as a, as a, a friend and, um, you know, comrade, if you will, in the industry. But now just to call him a really, really good friend is uh, such an honor and pleasure for me and uh, just a complete true asset to the um Mustang and uh, Ford community. Welcome, Kevin Marty. How are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. Uh, I am doing great, guys. Uh, uh, really, I appreciate the platitudes. That's why I took the time out. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. no, seriously, you guys are some of the greatest guys. And uh, boy, just to uh, spend time with you guys is always a treat. Well, we appreciate that, Kevin. I know Mustang owners from all over the country and really all over the world I would just love to hear your voice and to figure out what the heck, how did you get into this business? We're going to talk a little bit about what a Marty Auto Works, Marty Report is. Uh, But Kevin, I think the big thing is, um, you know, you can talk all you want about your Mustang. And there's something, there's something about owning one where just having, um, you know, your registration and your proof of insurance isn't enough. You want to know everything about it. It's like when you first meet this girl. And you think she's really hot. And then all of a sudden you start asking her questions of previous boyfriends. And it's like that with a Marty report, because you want to know where was this car in history and how in the heck did it start off? And Kevin, how did you start off getting this information? Because I'm pretty sure I remember you selling NOS reproduction parts. Well, yeah, although uh, it did start way earlier than that. It, it was Kind of a fluke thing. This is just my naivety. So uh, I still have my first car. It happens to be a Cougar, not a Mustang. But when I found the owner's manual, that there was a little uh, postcard 
that was in the back of the manual that the person never sent in. And it said, send this in to Autolite Division and we'll uh, send you a little gift. Now, realize I'm doing this about eight years after the car uh, had been made, but I naively assumed that uh, I could send that in. I sent it in and I got a nice letter back saying, well, that account, that uh, contest doesn't exist anymore. However, here's some information about your car. And I knew that the information they sent me back was way more than you could have gotten from just a door data plate. Mm -hmm. And so I was intrigued, but it was just one of those just hung in the back of my mind for for basically two decades before I started thinking, you know, let me pull that letter back out. And when I reviewed it, I realized they had to have still had the data on my car. And that's what started this. Wow. Well, and like many other people, um, there's a huge interest in where your car first started because a lot of us are not first owners. In fact, there's even though there's a club of Mustang original owners that was at the 50th in Charlotte, Mike, I don't know if there was a faction of those people going to Vegas, but they were original owners that bought the car as a new Mustang and still have it. Uh, there's not too many people like that. And some of these Mustangs have traded hands several times. And Kevin, as you know, people um, like to modify their cars and you might think you have a beautiful red convertible, but it may have not been born red. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, I have several cars that if you if you bought the car from me at some point in the last 40 years, you probably would say this car came with factory air conditioning. And you would have found out that if, if it was one of the cars I owned, uh, I bought several cars that did not have factory air, but living in Phoenix, Arizona, <laughs> I went down to the junkyards and I pulled all of the factory parts out, uh, converted those cars over as I had need each time I was driving one of these cars and I converted them to AC cars. So yeah, that's, you know, we hang all kinds of extra stuff on these cars or we change the color because we don't like uh, the original lime gold or uh, whatever. So we, now, we've modified them, and now so many decades have gone by, and so these cars have a patina with these changes that have been made, and so we'd swear that that's the way that car came to <laughs> Mike, you were saying something about Mustang being the most customized car, I mean, other than what, the Jeep maybe? So Jeep is the most modified um, vehicle in the world. Mustang is the most modified domestic car in the world. Okay. So that people just can't leave it alone i mean some people love it original won't touch it uh and they're going to put a put it in a bag and save it until they're 90 but other people just love to leave their stamp on it and kevin that's why uh, mike and i have always said we no matter what kind of show whether it's 100 cars or a thousand mustangs we've never gone to a show where we've seen two mustangs absolutely identical i mean to me that's that's craziness so uh, you really were kind of a computer guy and, you know, you did get into the reproduction parts business. I know that. Um, but how did the data stuff wind up in your lab? I know, I know there was a, a gal at Ford who was uh, chasing Thunderbird data for people, but as all good things at Ford, um, somebody retired and things were going to go away. How did all that wind up in your lab? Well, what, again, this, this started with the, uh... Uh, again, this is another Cougar story. Sorry for all you Mustang guys, but uh, <laughs> I started with, with Cougars and I had a Cougar Eliminator that I had bought and I 
got all done restoring it, went down to the dealer to go buy the stripe kit. The car was only 10 years old and I was told it had been discontinued. And mm. I was I was so disappointed because the stripe kit helps define the car. Sure. And, and so again, in uh, a friend of mine and I started just making long distance phone calls. This is back in the days where we racked up over $100 a month phone bills and long distance calls. Oh, I remember long distance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> We, we just kept calling different departments at Ford and finally ran into this guy named Glenn who worked in power uh, power products. And the guy had a couple of old MGTDs. And so he understood what it was like to try to find parts for cars. So he kind of went to bat for us and he mm-hmm. found out that the tooling still existed. He wound up making the appropriate requests. Wow. Uh, we, we put a purchase order in bought the stripe kits for these Cougar Eliminators. The next thing you know, Tony Branda, a brand performance calls me up, says, hey, can you do that with 70 Boss 302s? (laughs) I go, well, let me check. And that, starting in 1982, that began my relationship with Ford. And over the years, that just that relationship and trust built. And then this idea of asking them about the data. But by then, I I had a 17 year history of buying uh, and being involved with their licensing program to before we launched into this idea of acquiring the data. Well, I know this, um, Mike and I talk about some of the, the most important things in our hobby. And I know Pontiac has a service and a, a lot of the foreign car makers have services where uh, you can check the history of a car. But I got to tell you, Kevin, having a, a Marty report and having you do the service that you do for Mustang and Ford owners across the U.S. is a very important part of the car collector world. And um, I know that when you first got the Thunderbird data and you saw that there were, you know, I look at T-Bird, and I know you're a Cougar guy, but I look at T-Bird as kind of the, the, uh, the, the clubs that started it all. They, you know, before Thunderbirds, the clubs in Ford were like the Model T guys, the Model A guys. They were pretty much like, where do you get parts? They weren't a social club. Like the T-Bird people really cruised and they started this thing. And that's why I think they were so, with the low numbers that they built, they were so concerned about people making, you know, winding up with more 57 Thunderbirds that Ford actually built. And how that that, that data got into your hands, I think you some, at some point, the light bulb must have gone on. You said, hey, wait a minute we should not just sell parts, we should sell this data because people know it's important. Well, of course, actually, that part of it was really done by Lois Eminger, right. uh, who uh, her and her husband had gotten involved with this all the way back in the early 60s. She worked for the uh, legal department at Ford, and uh, she's the one that originally requested these, these actual paper documents uh, for these vehicles. Then uh, Lois and I became friends back in the uh, 80s and and again through some of the, the some of these contacts is what eventually led to uh, Ford graciously being willing to do this. But you know, there's no other car company that has released all of their electronic data of all of their production records. I don't care what company in the world. This is the only one that's actually made the complete records, electronic records, completely available to their hobbyists. Hmm. That is important. Mike, do you have Marty reports on your cars or do you uh, uh, try to, every time someone asks you about a car, isn't the first thing that comes out of your mouth, call Kevin Marty or get in touch with a Marty report? Absolutely. And I do have it for my 93 
that's at the Halderman Museum right now. And now with the information that I got uh, with Kevin before this show, I'll be ordering my old five report tomorrow. <laughs> it's a good idea because Kevin, as you know, um, you've been doing this a long time. I, you know, there's there's three different kinds of reports. You can get the standard Marty report and get the deluxe, which is always the ones I order when I get my reports. And then there's the elite. Marty, I see that you frame those for people in a nice frame. And I've seen them at car shows. Right. Yeah. You want me to talk a little bit about each? Well, of yeah. I mean, I, I know the standard, I, I would guess, I'm just guessing on this, but I would guess your most popular order of uh, getting a report on your Mustang is, or your Ford is getting a deluxe report because there's a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. Talk exactly, about them all, Kev. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, although, and this is this all goes back to our childhood when we used to get the Sears catalogs. And you remember they have the good, better, best. <laughs> That's really where this philosophy came from. Uh, the standard reports idea is nothing more than if you're thinking about buying a car and you just need to know basically what was the door data plate, the real door data plate information, not the not a possible reproduction, but what was the correct original door data plate information and what options came on the car? So that's what the standard is. We then, if you order that, we always allow you to, without wasting your money, you can just pay an upgrade fee to then get the next level, the deluxe report, which includes all that again. But then in addition to that, we can tell you various uh, pieces of history about the car, like there's, uh, there's seven production dates that are important to the car, like what day the order was received, what day did that car start down the assembly line, what day was it released, what day was it sold. Uh, this is all contained in the deluxe report, along with what dealer actually sold it. Because you know, people like to do things like drive their car back, even, even if it's just an empty lot now. Uh, they like to. Sometimes people like to visit. And in some cases, I've had plenty of people that have told me, oh, it, it, the original dealer doesn't own it, but the the current dealership had kept their records. And so sometimes guys have been able to go find old warranty records on their cars. So that's what's kind of exciting about getting that deluxe report and knowing things like what, uh, what dealer uh, had the car. You also get statistics about the car because everybody wants to know my car is one of how many. And then ultimately, that's what that elite report does for you, because we we take that breakdown, just like your 93, Mike. I remember when you were thinking about buying that, you want to know how unique it was. So you had me run that personalized production stat uh, for it to uh, break down of the, uh, of the total number of 93 Mustangs. This is how many uh, convertibles of those. This is how many came with this engine. And then of those, how many with that transmission? We just keep drilling it down to right. make it unique as possible. And the topper with that is we actually Ford license us to reproduce the window sticker. And it's, it is an extremely accurate window sticker uh, right down to where it applies starting in 77 and later it has all the EPA uh, data on it. <laughs> the newer ones have all the crash data. To see the data like that and how the daisy wheel printers were done. And I remember when I got my 78 to try to scrape that off that window sticker with a, with a razor blade. And of course you only get about 70% of it, Yeah, yeah <laughs> but right. Kevin, uh, people always ask me, I said, well, do you have a Marty report on the car? They say, no, but I, I, I was told that I got something that's really important. I found the build sheet under the back seat and they look at this tore up stained piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it. And they have no idea what it means. I think the Marty report kind of solves that for people. It's not yeah. just the numbers. Yeah, it uh, uh, it really does basically flesh out in plain English uh, how your car 
was born. Right. And th- that's what a lot of people don't understand. You might have the build sheet, but all those numbers and in those little boxes mean something. And when you buy the uh, Marty report, it, it tells you what that means. If this was the axle or this was the original paint coat or this was the, the options that it had on it. And yeah, the build sheet's great. But if you have the correct VIN, the Marty report is the exact same information. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, that you would normally get. The same information was punched out on the build sheet and put in the car. Well, it's it's not as detailed because the build sheet gets into things like what color were the uh, coil spring stripes that were uh, put on it. We don't have that, you know, we don't give you that piece of information, but it is going to tell you whether it had, for example, the heavy duty suspension or the export suspension. Mm-hmm. Well, just so that you know, Mike and I don't hang around with those people that need to know what stripe they painted on the coil springs. Mike, we, we quit hanging with them. I mean, let's face it, they're... They need to get out more. And to give you an update, my 93, uh, yeah, Kevin was the deciding factor in me buying that car. And uh, on the Deluxe Marty Report, mine is one of four for the 93 convertible that I have. And you would only get that, Mike, if you had gotten a Marty Report. You'd have no idea if you didn't get the Marty Report. I mean, you and owners can tell you something, but what is that worth? Uh, and and Kevin, Kevin, I know the Mustangs now, even though there's 10 million of them out there, or they're, they're 10 million sold, I don't know if they're still out there. The bottom line is some people try to pass off their cars as things that they weren't, you know, maybe a, you know, a lackluster six-cylinder car somehow sprouted a V8 somewhere along the restoration route. You're able, I think, to bring this clarity to collectors so that they don't throw their money away at phonies and fakes. You know, we used to, when I worked at SVT, we would see a guy take a GT and put Cobra stuff on it. We called them Fobras. <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, as soon as we saw a 96 Cobra with an automatic, we go, that's yeah. not a Cobra. But, Kevin, I think in, in our world, uh, that's got to put stress on you because I, don't you get a lot of, let's face it, you and I crossed paths for a very important thing that happened just a few years ago. I wouldn't have dreamed of going into a, a, a validation process without having Kevin Marty next to me. And folks, if in case you don't know this, I'm talking about uh, a phone call I'd received uh, about, oh, geez, it's been about eight years now. Hey, uh, Mr. Clore, I understand uh, you work at, at the time I was working at racing. He said, I have the original bullet. And I said, yeah, well, listen, if I had a nickel for everybody that told me they had the original bullet, I'd have at least 25 cents. So, so they wanted me to come down and see it. They swear to God, it really is. And oh my God, I, you know, I saw, well, I knew Brad Bowling was chasing this car. Brad's a good friend, journalist friend of mine. And I know it was under wraps. And I said, I'm not going to go down there and validate a car. I will not even look at this car until I bring Kevin Marty. And the this this film producer said, who's Kevin Marty? I go, well, if you don't have a Kevin Marty coming down, look at this car with me. I'm not going to show up. Well, get him on the phone. And Kevin, of course, you showed up and we and we did spend the afternoon. And oh my gosh, we did know that we were standing and looking at the original movie car, the Steve McQueen car. And having you there, Kevin, no matter how much you may think you know about Mustangs, you could be an author or a columnist. When you're Kevin Marty, your voice is heard where other people are just opinions. And I think you brought uh, such value and clarity to the Kiernan family and, and then to all the, all the other people who are buying Mustangs that really want to make sure they have the real deal. That, I think, Kevin, you've had a lot of experiences in the hobby, but how do you rate that one as, as one of the coolest things that happened? Oh, that's that's a definitely top fiver. It may be uh, 
it may be the best uh, experience. The uh, that was a real fun time, wasn't it, John? The, uh, everything from being able to sit in that theater and watch the movie on full screen again, which you hadn't seen for forty some years. Yeah, the movie that way. Uh, the the chase scene that is. We didn't. See yeah, that. those. Yeah, that's what we watch it for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We fast uh, forward a lot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. I I do really feel bad because now a lot of times what happens is someone buys a car and they got told a story Mm -hmm. and, and they, you know, they are good natured and they have a good heart and they, they wanted to believe the story. And then they go out later on and then there comes a point where they're going to go sell that car. And of course, then anger takes place once they get told, well, no, that car's not, that's not correct. Now, now the, the Kiernan's had a, a pretty good idea that, their car was correct only because they got a letter from Steve McQueen asking to buy the car back. But right. ordinarily there, for every good story like that, there's, there's just, unfortunately, we probably on, on a daily basis have, have someone at least every day upset because their car wasn't what they thought it was. Although that's mm. part of the reason why we, we like to say, buy the report before you buy the car, it's cheap insurance. <laughs> Right. And I do know some people that said, oh, I had this great car all lined up and then Kevin Marty ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel bad because it's like I don't like giving out bad news, but I'm also uh, I'd rather know the truth. And I know that's not always uh, popular. It's nice to believe in fantasy. But, you know, we all eventually came to realize uh, I hope children under uh, nine are not listening to this. But, you know, there's. They're just when you find out, no, there really isn't a Santa Claus. Uh, he's that's more kind of a an idea that we uh, we carry. It, it's just I don't like breaking hearts, but I, I'd rather know the truth. Yeah, the data is the data, and um, you know, there's really that's why it's so important. And I know, Mike, when we um, I don't know if you've ever done this, Mike, but I've had some friends that Mustang friends that have everything. You know that. I, you know, I used to make jokes about when you'd come visit me at my office, Mike at Ford Racing, and I had 100 Mustang books in that shelf. And I didn't tell Jenny that I had another 100 at work. She just thought the 100 I had at home was all I had. And we're just crazy like that. But you have to admit, this is one thing that everybody, it's a really good investment, Kevin. And, and I think that what you're doing it's it's a lot of work. It's it's um it's crazy to the the total amount of data that you have to sort through. And every time you add a year, um, just the da- how many people do you have working for you, other than Shelley? Uh, yeah, we've got about uh, eight others. It is not enough. In fact, I just have one particular project which is just just has to do with the dealer information that appears on the report. Now, by my best calculations at this point, that one aspect will not be completely finished for 20 more years with one person working on oh my goodness. full time. Right now, we have to we have to do certain things like the uh, the dealer directory in a in a manual fashion. We have to uh, manually look up a lot of things. We do want all of that data to eventually be a uh, contained uh, contained in a computer that's just uh, available out there because uh, let's let's talk about a reality that we don't always like to face, but we are going to have to face it. Uh, we're not going to live forever. In fact, I remember at the 50th when I was talking, I was saying some of you here might be for the 100th 
celebration. <laughs> I probably won't be. Mike Mike Ray will. Yeah, Mike probably will. He'll be there. Uh, that's the that's the point. And I think what people need to understand is. Uh, if you're even have an inclination about keeping your car or trying to know and under understand its value, the Marty report makes sense because you're, you know, even though you're adding years, the two things that they talk about being upset with you, Kevin, is one, I have a 65 Mustang and you can't help me. Why don't you explain to people why you can't help them? Yeah, that's uh, this is this is a, a funny story about Ralph Nader. Those of us that are old enough remember that Ralph Nader was the, the guy that really was uh, interested in safety in the car industry, and he, he kind of single-handedly caused Congress to pass the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Act of 1966, and then follow up with the uh, 68 Act, which gave us things like side marker lights and such. But going back to 66, that's kind of when recalls started becoming uh, the norm that you the car companies had to keep track of what they put on the cars. And then if something went wrong with, for example, the rear window defrosters, they had to go uh, recall all those cars and have the dealers repair them. And that's uh, that's why starting in with the 1967 model year, uh, they had to start keeping track of the cars and who owned the cars. Uh, this exists to this day. Ford knows to the best that they can. They, they know who owns all of the cars because the uh, DMVs of all the states send them information whenever cars change hand. Wouldn't mm -hmm. you like to get a hold of that? Uh, well, yeah, that's the other thing because when you buy a car, it's like, geez, I wish I could talk to the previous owner, and they and they don't understand that Kevin Marty cannot give you the name and the address of the person that owned the car previously. No, unfortunately, it's all privacy records. And but as far as uh, as far as Ford, because they had to start keeping the '67 records, that's. That's the year the data got kept, the 66 and earlier, eventually, just because it was being stored on the, those old mag tapes. It was so expensive back then that I talked to the guy who one day got a memo from uh, his boss that that said, uh, say, we need that tape, that 1966 data tape erased because we need to put something else on it. This took place in the 80s, but oh. with, with that, the press of a button, all the 66 data went away. And then, of course... The earlier years had also been uh, destroyed, and there have been various attempts to try to get a hold of that. Uh, I talked to Edsel Ford about it one time, and he he got some money together, and he had some uh, searches done, and in the end, just came up empty-handed. So, yeah, I do feel for the first model of the Mustang. It doesn't. It's just not a good prospect that we'd ever uh, see data for those. But at least for for the other nine million Mustangs out there. <laughs> They can they can know the truth. You know, uh, a lot of people don't understand that. But ladies and gentlemen, it's just it, it's sad. Uh, Corvette had the same issue. I know that they brought some money together. They couldn't find some data and they went on an archaeological dig within General Motors. And I don't believe they were successful to find uh, the, the holy grail of missing data. Um, and Kevin, I know that, you know, you would have loved to have the 65 and 66. But how do you rate? enthusiasts, guys like uh, in, in the clubs or stores to go back and try to back up the history, starting with VIN numbers and try to to fill in the blanks on their own. And are they doing a pretty good job when you look at some of these forums, like, like the 65 and 66 guys trying to figure that out? Yeah, I think that uh, there's been some uh, tremendous work by, uh, uh, you know, there were guys like uh, 
Uh, Bob Freya that really got interest going in uh, in some of those prototype cars, guys that have followed on uh, since then, trying to look for, uh, of course, the only place you find this is actually you have to find it on or in the car itself. But uh, when people started noticing things like some of that, uh, uh, the etched numbers that are sometimes on the uh, core supports of the uh, cars, those things they certainly help that first generation. And once in a while, guys find build sheets for those cars, and uh, that nails it down for you. Yeah, I'm I'm always impressed, and um, you know, we just—it's amazing how much work goes into trying to validate the car, and how much work you save people uh, when they simply go to www.martyauto.com and click on Marty reports. <laughs> That's Kevin. You're just making everybody's life so much easier. And I know now you're working on a big project with Ford. Uh, just recently, um, they lost uh, Jim Owens and the Mustang brand team have launched a special vehicle registry. Thanks to all your hard work, uh, be able to bring that to light. Do you do you see this kind of um, uh, love for the data behind the vehicle continuing on to the next generation of collectors, or is it pretty much are we the only crazy ones? No, we're not the only crazy ones. I I, I tell you, I remember. Uh, my contact at uh, uh, at Ford that we do the whole licensing program through. When I started asking for some of the later years data, he says, "What do you even need that for?" Yeah. Uh, he, he was trying to talk me out of wasting my time. And yet, the funny thing is, is that when each each time we've announced another chunk of uh, years being available, I'm surprised at how many people jump on it and. Uh, and start ordering their ports. That's why when we, in the next few, uh, next couple months, when we announce the 2018-19 uh, reports, uh, uh, those guys are going to be, uh, they're going to be the first ones out there ordering the reports because they're going to want to know, uh, yeah, how many of them did they produce this way? Like, yeah, here's, a, here's a big lie that I really get disappointed with, uh, with uh, some of the, uh, uh, the, the news reports that are done about Mustang production and, you know, the whole Mustang Camaro yeah. challenger yeah. and how, well, this year they did more challengers than Mustangs. You know what they completely ignore in that equation? All of the exported Mustangs, they right. only count us, but to me, you have to count total production. Yeah. People do not realize that one out of three Mustangs is sold overseas. In fact, you know what the number one sports car sold in Germany is? Hint, it doesn't start with the letter P. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. And, you know, it, it makes you wonder. I know Art Hyde really tried to get S197 exported and wasn't able to do it. But the I think the export market is really, I mean, the rest of the world knows what a Mustang is, and they've always wanted them. I think the funny thing was that Ford thought, well, since the taxes and the penalties for anything with over two and a half liters is so expensive. We'll just make about 70% EcoBoost and about 30% V8s. Of course, the demand was the opposite. That's right. <laughs> they want the American V8. And that's why I think, Mike, uh, the clubs have a huge role in when people join a, a Mustang club so that uh, to tell them that this kind of service that Kevin puts out exists. And I, I think, don't you kind of lay it on the, cl the clubs, Mike, that it's up to them to show them what's available? You know, you got collectors like Mike Berardi, you know, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, but I think uh, Mike Berardi has a Marty report for every single one of his cars. Isn't that correct? He does indeed. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's like a must to go. If you're a, you got a collector car, 
I mean, it's kind of like it has to go with it. You know, if you're going to buy a collector car and they say, well, we don't have a Marjorie report. Like I said, you're getting it probably before you buy it. You know, it kind of kind of goes hand in hand together. Absolutely, Mike. And um, that's why I think, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have a Marty report on your uh, current Mustang, get online to martyauto.com and, and check to see if one's available for you. I would highly recommend that you get it. And um, no, Kevin's not paying me for saying any of this stuff, and I don't get a commission. But I do get great satisfaction of people that get the right information on their car and Mike, as you know, there's just something about getting that report and finding that little special bit of information that you didn't know about. Firsthand, like I said, with my 93, when I seen it was one of four, that was absolutely incredible to me and uh, really, really cool. And it's displayed proudly with the car at the Halderman Museum. And like I said, my 05 will be ordered tomorrow, Kevin. <laughs> Looking forward to it. So, as, Kevin, as many hearts as you break, uh, you make you have a lot of smiles as well. And you're doing a fantastic service for the Mustang hobby throughout the world. So we want to really thank you for your time tonight and appreciate everything you've done for Ford, Ford Motor Company, more importantly, and most importantly, to the hobbyists and the club members and the Mustang owners across the world that value your service. So thanks for everything you do, Kevin, and thanks for spending time with us tonight. Oh, thank you. And hey, you guys are great. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, that's awesome. We'll have them again. And thanks to Mike, who, uh, who finally tracked them down and, Mike, uh, another great interview on the Mustang Owners Podcast, and we thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in with us tonight. And make sure you tune in again next time for the for Performance Edition, and we'll bring you another great guest. And until then, we will see you down the road.